Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Um, I want to welcome you to the first episode of The Bank. Um, this is your host, Jordan Coe. I'm joined here by Gabe Ferguson. Um, we're your host. Gabe, say hi. Hey, everyone. Um, we're new to the podcast world, but we're uh, not new to the Ravens. And so we're hoping to give you guys a chance to, to listen and, and talk about some things that are going on with the Ravens. We'll be covering them all through the offseason, through the regular season. And um, we want to hear your ideas about what you guys want to hear about. Um, so why don't we kick it off by telling you guys a little bit more about us, Gabe, uh, how'd you become a Ravens fan? Why are, why are you part of the flock? So I, I think I became a fan because of proximity. I grew up, um, in Westminster, Maryland, which was kind of the epicenter of the training camp situation back in the day. Um, so, you know, McDaniel college or Western Maryland college, as it was called before McDaniels, some people might remember that name, um, was obviously where we had training camp for quite a while. So the town kind of got taken over in the summer and, you know, everybody kind of became Ravens fans. I grew up become actually as a Redskins fan because there was no other close team before the Ravens came to Baltimore in 96. So it took me a couple of years to really become a fan, but then like, it was pretty, pretty cool just to have everything going on like real close to home. And yeah, that's, you know, since then I've kind of become much more of a fan growing up. I moved out to California after college and then somehow like distance made the heart grow fonder and I became like a much more intense fan when I moved out here and then like didn't miss a game, that kind of thing. So how about you, Jordan? You're you're from Maryland too, right? Yeah. We, we connected out here on the, uh, on the opposite coast here as Ravens fans though. But I also grew up in Maryland. Um, wasn't, didn't grow up in a sports family, but fell in love with football. And so, um, it became really easy right around when I got into high school, the Ravens came to town then they won a Super Bowl, and it was yeah. it was all downhill or uphill or whatever you want to call it from there. Um, but they're a great team, you know, a great franchise. I mean, great personalities and players. You know, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and you know, I got a chance to go to the Super Bowl, you know, <laughs> in 2012. So, you know, that was That's awesome. that was you know that was that was the crowning moment for me personally. Um, but you know. That's enough about us. I don't think that's what people are, are here to listen for. But, you know, as we kind of kick off this podcast, I think it's best that we kind of dive into the Ravens offseason so far and, and kind of what they've done um, and, and what they haven't done so far. Um, and, you know, I think you can get us kicked off here by talking a little bit about, you know, where the team has some deficiencies or holes or, or what talent went out the wrong way. So yeah. This off-season. So I think the biggest... Um issue that the Ravens had this offseason in terms of losing talent was the retirement of Marshall Yanda, who has been a stalwart for the team for over a decade. You know, he's been mostly playing right guard. He played some right tackle when he first joined the team. Um, but he's been the guy that you can depend on year in, year out to play at an extremely high level. Um, you know, he's been an all-pro, pro bowl. He's probably a Hall of Famer. I think there's some discussion about that, but I think he's definitely a lock to make it into Canton. Um, and you can't just replace him with, you know, anybody. There's going to be a drop off in production. He knows everything about the, the scheme. You know, he's the guy you can always count on. He's one of the best pass protectors in the NFL, or he was until he retired. 
Um, so the Ravens have some options in terms of young guys that could potentially step up, but I think it's definitely a place where the Ravens are going to need to infuse some talent. Um, outside of that, there's also a loss on the defensive line with uh, Michael Pierce leaving. Um, he was a very, very solid run defender. He's been here for about three years playing at a very high level as an interior run defender. He's not doesn't offer very much as a pass rusher, but you know, next to Brandon Williams, he was kind of the stout stalwart guy that you could always count on to, you know, just be able to stop the, you know, third and shorts, fourth and shorts, that kind of thing. Um, and the Ravens didn't really replace him. Um, well, we can talk more about that issue in a little bit. Um, you know, aside from that, they lost a couple of players at linebacker, not really key, helpful, um, you know, starter types, but, like, the role kind of guys. I mean, Josh Bynes, Peanut, and Wasu, they're sub-package players, essentially, or the players that played, you know, a few hundred snaps here and there. Um, that's an issue, even though it's not, like, one big-name guy like Mosley last year, but I think their production is going to have to be replaced, and the Ravens didn't bring anybody else in. So I think those are the main losses. Um, offense is pretty much kept intact, aside from Yanda. Um and then I think we need to look at what we did bring in, though. And um, you have a, you want to talk a little bit about what the Ravens were able to add to the, the defense in particular, I think. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I, I think we shouldn't forget about Brandon Carr either. I know he's a guy that you talked about a lot as a, a multifaceted piece. So it'll be interesting to see if they slide Jimmy Smith into that role or, or kind of what happens there. But, um, you know, talent coming in. Um, you know, we, we brought in Calais Campbell. You know, the Ravens have been needing a guy that can win at the line of scrimmage, particularly rushing the passer, you know, since, you know, since Suggs left, but obviously even, even kind of before that, Suggs was not his prime pass rushing self. Um, you know, it's been a while since, well, what was the line that had Nada and Suggs and McPhee? Well, that was 2014, um, and that was uh, really Suggs and um, Doomerville who were kind of the key edge rushers on that team. And then McPhee was playing a lot, um, kind of like as a three technique or like some someone who played different places um, at aligned over like the, the nose or or maybe over the over the guard um but i would say going back even further in terms of a defensive lineman that actually had the impact that campbell could have you go back to maybe 2006 and look at trevor price as kind of the impact defensive end defensive tackle who could actually get you double digit sacks from a defensive line position um and ravens really haven't had anybody close to that since since he left so it's been you know almost 15 years I would say since we had someone who's on the defensive line who could play multiple positions along the defensive line and really produce as a pass rusher. Yeah, it's really interesting because the Ravens historically have not put any priority into that area. And I'm really intrigued to see what they do with Campbell's role Um, because, you know, I've watched a little bit of film of what Campbell did last year with the Jags and he plays all over the place. He plays inside, he plays outside, he's on the left side, he's on the right side. Um, <clears throat> he plays on the strong side. He plays on the weak side. You know, they, they, he's not just kind of typecast into any role. And that flexibility, that's got to get Wink excited, um, thinking about the kind of opportunities that he's going to bring in and thinking about kind of the secondary that he's got behind that. Um, you know, and, and, you know, when we talk about talent in, I, I think we got to talk about where we think we're going to see growth from a couple of the guys that are on the roster, too. Um, the Ravens really seem to have a lot of trust in Jalen Ferguson, um, yeah. your, your namesake there uh, <laughs> at the end of the last year, you know, he got a lot of snaps and was playing a lot of time, both 
both inside sometimes at like the the three four tech at times and then also on the outside um he had a couple bad games um and and when he first got in there he seemed to kind of get turned around on a swivel he would overcommit, couldn't hold the edge very well didn't seem to have a strong grasp of like everything that was getting thrown at him but by the end of the year he wasn't jumping off the film in a bad way um yeah and i think the ravens you know, you look at why they might just roll with a tag on Judon this year is say, hey, we got to see what it looks like for this year. Maybe we'll trade him next year, um, you know, during the season, after the season, whatever something like that looks like. I think we're going to see a big step up, hopefully, from him or potentially Bowser. I mean, Ferguson didn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going to get bend on the edge, but Bowser is the guy that can, can kind of get his hand in the dirt. And if he gets a step, um, he won a few times that way last year, too. Yeah, Bowser's a guy that I'm really curious to watch um, in this year. This is the last year of his contract. He'll be going into his fourth year as a Raven. Um, and as a second-round pick, That's you know you would hope to see him actually begin to step into a really productive role. I think we saw flashes of him last year. Um, he started to get more snaps as the season progressed, and especially as a situational pass rusher, um, or as a guy who could drop into coverage from the outside linebacker position, he really started showing his value. He did, um, you know, end up with five sacks on the season. Um, some of those were kind of like cleanup sacks. They weren't a lot where he was just, you know, like winning repeatedly off the edge. Um, but he's a very athletic player. Um, he does have a, an explosive ability off the edge. He can, you know, bend and like beat an offensive tackle on occasion. I think if he's given more reps, you know, I think he's a guy who could potentially be a player the Ravens could get on, you know, a semi-reasonable contract after this one, um, after this rookie contract's up. So he's a guy who I'd be uh, watching very closely in the coming season. Yeah, and I also think, I mean, and, and there are a lot of Ravens fans that have been saying this now for uh, almost three years, but uh, um, he's a guy that can play multiple positions too. He did look yeah. solid in space. You know, he didn't look lost. He, he's not going to be... You know, he's not Patrick Willis covering guys out there in, in space, but but he's he's certainly not, you know, not Kenny Young, right? And so if he can cover into that role and they the Ravens use Chuck Clark down in the box more, let him, you know, he's got he's gonna have the green dot or it seems like he's gonna have the green dot, um, and take some of that mic responsibility. You know, I'm also interested, you know, obviously we haven't talked about how Brockers was here but wasn't here. Um, I was intrigued whether or not the Ravens were going to use some more four, three-ish looking fronts mm -hmm. once they brought Campbell and Brockers in. Um, you know, keep Williams and Brockers in on some of those roles. Um, then you've got, you can use a guy like Drew Don or Ferguson in kind of that Peter Bulware role. And then, you know, a guy like Bowser strikes me as a perfect fit for that Jamie Sharper-ish kind of thing. You know, you mentioned it with the cleanup sacks. He's got good speed. Yeah. seems to have solid awareness. Um, he does seem to play like a Raven and, um, I think he could, I think he could be, if they, if he gets the opportunity, very Jerry, Jarrett Johnson ish in the long term, right? Like solid medium term contract, a guy that's going to contribute in, in a lot of different ways, but there's an opportunity for him this year. Um, but who knows, you know, th there was, there was talk about with him and Williams last year about getting cut at the same time. Um, or one of them getting cut, and it was obviously Williams, but, you know, Bowser did not seem exempt from that conversation from the staff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think they were looking for one of them to really step up, and Bowser, I think, you know, he was probably a little bit more versatile in what he was doing. He was more of a special teams contributor, um, so that's probably why he, he was given more of an opportunity. And he, also, there were some, I think, issues with Williams' attitude that, you know, kept cropping up, so that's probably why he was on the chopping block. Um, but yeah, I think another player who we're getting back 
that maybe hasn't gotten a lot of talk is uh, Tavon Young, who missed all of last season. Um, you know, he was given a, a pretty considerable contract before the 2019 season, and the Ravens saw him as a starter, basically, on defense. He's this, you know, the starting slot cornerback. Um, and I think he's going to just fit right back into that role in 2020, which really solidifies the secondary. Um, you know, Jimmy Smith is also brought back. So we'll have to see how that kind of works out. You basically have four guys who you could look at as starting quality cornerbacks. Um, and, you know, when we had that situation in last season, we saw Brandon Carr move, like you said, into like a kind of like a safety, like utility role defensive back. Um, so I wonder who might take on that role, if that's the same kind of position that we'll see in 2020. Is that something that Tavon Young does? Um, I was looking at some of Jimmy Smith's uh, splits in terms of where he's lined up, and he's played probably about 95 to 98% of his snaps at the outside cornerback um, with the Ravens. He's not a slot corner. He's never really played safety. Um, I know some people think he might play some safety, but I kind of see Tavon Young as a guy who could be more of a transition into the safety um, maybe as kind of like that in the box kind of slot, kind of, you know, free safety hybrid kind of thing, you know, move them all over the place. Um, anyway, that's kind of just an interesting thought as another player. That's kind of an interesting addition that might not have thought of as an addition. Yeah. I, Tamon Young was really good when he was on the field with the Ravens too. I mean, his, his awareness, his ability in the slot, sometimes when, even when he, they moved him outside, he played effectively, um, but he was, you know, in the sense that the guys that are around the ball or can get their hands on the ball or can make plays, he always seemed to be in that space, stripping the ball out of a guy's hand, making interceptions yep. at big moments. Um, you know, I'm hoping to, you know, we, I think we got a flash of that from Deshaun Elliott last year too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping he takes that Brandon Carr, Swiss Army knife role. He's got the ability to kind of be the second slot corner if they go into the dime, if they really wanted to and, and, and throw some confusing looks. Um, you know, Tavon Young's also was really good off the edge. I think one thing Carr turned out to be much better at than I expected was was rushing the passer. Um, <laughs> and when they they used him, kind of, I think a lot of I think opposing teams felt the same way. Um, and when Carr did come in, he he had, he took good angles. Um, he was able to close well. I was surprised by that. But Tavon Young was excellent at it when mm-hmm. asked to, to to take on that role. Um, you know, you and I have personally talked about this. I'd love to see Marlon Humphrey and Earl Thomas do that less um, <laughs> as they are our best secondary defenders and, and putting yeah. it behind the line of scrimmage um, doesn't seem, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, so hopefully the Ravens find a way to maximize that. Um, you know, I, I think another guy is Miles Boykin, it, who I think is going to have to, it, Hollywood Brown, I think is going to take a huge step. I think the health is, I, I think it's just obvious. He was so good already. Um, to begin with, but Boykin was a guy who seemed like at times really got it and could get behind defenses or make the right moves or do the right things. Um, And I think the reason why we didn't see the Ravens put any priority on the the pass receivers, including trading away Hayden Hurst, was because they think that a guy like Boykin can take that next step on the outside. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Hayden Hurst because he was a player that I just realized I hadn't mentioned as a a loss. And that's someone who, who was a fairly... Uh, reliable player um, who you kind of needed as that secondary option over the middle. Um, I mean, I guess you have Willie Sneed, who's kind of, you know, de facto slot receiver. He's a, an option to catch a lot of those balls over the middle. But Miles Boykin could potentially move into that kind of, you know, big slot role as well. 
I think the Ravens played him almost entirely outside last year, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. You know, as outside kind of X receiver, um, and that's where he could profile in terms of his size, speed. You know, he has that combination, um, but I think he needs a lot of refinement as a route runner in order for him to be a more consistent separator. Um, he could gain separation downfield just because of his speed. Um, and he was a guy who can also, you know, high point the ball at times. Um, but I think he needs to develop some more of the nuances of playing wide receiver, um, ability to, you know, gain separation early in a route as opposed to late. That's something that you look for, I think, especially with a quarterback like Jackson who wants to kind of, you know, he kind of sees the receiver come open a lot when he passes, he doesn't really throw to a covered receiver as often as someone who, you know, has a little more experience at the position. But um, I think Boykin will develop more, but we have to wait and see, I guess, you know, those are kind of the things you just hope for in a second year player. You don't really know unless you'd see it happen. Um, And with Hollywood, one of the things that I want to see from him is just, you know, obviously getting over the injuries, but I think he needs to be more needs to be functionally stronger. Um, I can't count the number of times where he would have the ball and then he would just, like, flop. You know, he would just fall over or, like, run horizontally backwards, get out of bounds. Like, he needs to not be scared of contact. And I don't know if that's a thing that was just due to his lack of a slight, like, frame. Like, he's not very big. He's, like, probably 175 pounds, like, soaking wet. Um, I want to see him put on a little bit of muscle. I want to see him get a little stronger, almost like... Like, you look at Tyreek Hill, he's small, he's but he's explosive, and he's powerful. Like, I want to see Hollywood Brown become more powerful. I think if he gets that, then he can be a truly elite receiver. Yeah, well, and but even, it, I mean, if you look at just the numbers for him last year, what, it was about 50 catches and 600 yards, something mm-hmm. in that ballpark. I mean, and he did that. Obviously, he missed, I think he missed a couple games in there. Um, obviously, was on a limited snap count. Yeah. I mean, he very easily could be a 75 catch thousand yard guy without that improvement. Oh, for sure. Uh, and, and that's going to be, that's going to be a one, a type receiver in this league. And so, you know, that's what I'm excited about in particular that, that we've got, we finally got a guy um, that it seems like, you know, and in the Tennessee game, he really stepped up. He, he made some big catches mm-hmm. in traffic. Um, you know, Lamar was looking for him down the field in those instances and, and they were connecting um, obviously the huge play in the Arizona game. I mean, they seem to yeah. have a good connection um, but you know, seven touchdowns as a rookie is not to be blinked at for a guy, like you said, that had totally avoided contact. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, I'm really interested to see because it, it's, it's one of those questions of, do you want him to be, do you want him to be this macho tougher football player or, or if he can kind of keep it at the pace that he's at, you know, can he stay healthy and does this keep him on the field? And can he be a 1100 yard, 10 touchdown a year receiver and be like that? Um, and you pair him with kind of guys like Boykin, which are more like your, your two, like, you know, your, your second receiver type guys. And, and you got a guy like Andrews in that mix. Um, you know, it makes a big difference. Um, I, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see a big jump from the offense next year from a passing perspective. Um, and, you know, my, cho- if, if I got a chance to sit down with Greg Roman and John Harbaugh right now and, and be like, look, this is what I think you need to do, which I, I wouldn't get that chance, but I would say <laughs> we've, we've really, you know, you really got to tune up the passing game. We know what we can do in the running game. It's on film. 
you know, put it in the back pocket, right? You know what the situations are when we need to run. We don't need to be running when the score is, you know, when we're down, when the score is tied. Let's get Lamar thinking like a passer. Let's get these guys tuned up. Let's be able to do it that way. Um, so that way, when we get in a situation like we were in, against Tennessee, um, it doesn't feel like a desperation thing. It just feels like a natural thing. Yeah, I think um, one direction I think that I'd li- especially I'd like to see the offense look at to use more frequently would be the RPO. Because I feel like that's something, especially with Lamar, where he, he also has the ability to run it himself. You know, that's kind of a devastating weapon. And I feel like they didn't really use that very much. Um, it was kind of, there's a lot of run action, um, but I don't know if there's that pass option that was, you know, based off of that. So I think using more RPOs, I mean, going back to week one, there was a play with, with Hollywood where they did an RPO play and he took a quick slant to, to the, to the house, you know, for like an 80 yard touchdown. Um, and I feel like we didn't really see much more of it throughout the, maybe a couple of plays per game. I think that's an easy way you can infuse some, you know, quick, easy looks into the offense. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, maybe that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it's easy to be down, or to, to, to not remember back to this past season as being a pretty incredible one. Oh, yeah. um, and, and it was, it was, it was unfortunate that we went out in the round that we went out and, and in the way we went out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Ravens could have literally done nothing this off season, not brought in Calais Campbell, just stood pat, still lost Marshall Yonda, held on to Hayden Hurst. And I would be incredibly excited about the opportunity of what this team's going to look like, not next year, but even the year after that with just with that core of players. Um, and that's not, that's not a place that we've been historically with the Ravens. I mean, you know, the, the good defensive teams were ones where it was excited and you knew they were going to be in it. We were going to be in the trenches and fighting Pittsburgh for kind of that playoff spot yeah. and, and they would be competitive. But I mean, there was nothing the Ravens could have done this off season. I don't think short of something catastrophically stupid that would have taken that, <laughs> out of being a serious Super Bowl contender heading into um, 2020. And that's, yeah. you know, that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing about having the unanimous MVP as your quarterback. You know, it's you and putting the infrastructure around him to be successful, which they have on offense. Um, and, you know, there's a few, like, hiccups here and there. There's areas where you want to improve. I mean, every single season, throughout the season, you're trying to improve. So, And, I mean, as we uh, kind of delve into this podcast, you know, in the future, we can touch on a few of those things, you know, we want to see what are the areas that the Ravens need to improve and what can they do to do that. And we'll talk about the draft, you know, we'll talk about potential free agents that are still out there that the Ravens could look at. Um, and we'll see, like, what are the real true uh, weaknesses, I think, that the Ravens need to fix. Um, but Yeah, I, I think definitely we want to take a look at the depth charts. And, and I think we're going to do some fun stuff, too, take a look at yeah. the history of this team, some individual players, you know, take a look at what's out there in the the bigger picture, you know, in in the middle of these kind of COVID-19 times Mm -hmm. that we live in these days. um, I think we're going to stretch the stretch the capacity. So if anybody has some kind of interesting hypotheticals or historicals or things like that, um, you know, feel free to send those over to us or check us out at the, you know, both Gabe and I are regularly posting it on Baltimore Sports and Life's forum. Feel free to get us there. Um, our thoughts and opinions are shared widely there as well as here. <laughs> um, and we're looking forward to continue to share those with everybody the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think that'll pretty much wrap it up for us in our introductory podcast, The Bank. Um, thank you all for listening, and we'll hope to uh, come back and listen to us again soon. <laughs>